What up, y'all? We're back at it. We got episode eight, School of Hard Knocks, coming out of Hard Knocks Strength and Performance, guys. You got Coach Rod. Coach Max, y'all. So today, guys, we're going to cover some pretty cool topics and areas of fitness. So we're going to go kind of in depth as far as uh, talking about the squat. Everyone loves the squat. You know, I mean, I feel like it's one of those exercises that, that I would say it's the king, you know, I mean, of all movements. Uh, if you talk about foundational things that you learn as you age and stuff like that and things that everyone wants to get better at, uh, it's not so much the bench press no more. You know I mean? At least squat, within our doors here, it's definitely the squat, bro. Um, and then we're going to touch up on the deadlift. Also, I would say it's a, I don't know, man, for some it might be the king, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's foundational as well, man. Yeah, as it relates to everyday movement and just functionality and stuff like that. And then some of our favorite things to do in the gym guys and that we program with as well are loaded carries when we talk about loaded carries we talk about farmer carry carries weighted holds waiter walks i mean any type of weighted carry uh has a huge transfer over into just everyday life uh, but there's also a huge benefit when you program it into workouts and stuff like that so we'll touch base on things like that any little tangent that we fall through man so yeah i agree man yeah, those man. those three movements are like you said very common in the gym world and i think uh learning a little bit about them can can kind of help the crew get better at them absolutely yeah. so let me ask you this max squat okay if you could choose one between the squat and the deadlift to do okay uh they're not they're not the same, okay? They're very different movements as far as one being a knee dominant exercise, the other one being a hip dominant one to hinge, you know? Yeah. But which one could you, which one would you choose as your favorite? Man. I would probably have to say, if I had to pick between the two, like to do forever or what? Yeah, just yeah. one that you'd like more. I would say the squat variation for me. Just because it puts uh, a lot of demand on the spine as well, keeping a good line of action, challenging to get the hip below knee crease, uh, um, yeah, the hips below the, the knee, right? Um, but also it challenges ankle mobility, core stability, hip health, um, and a lot of coordination, man. And then there's so many variations. You got the overhead squat, the front squat, you know, the back squat, goblet squat, lateral, and then you can start doing so many things with it. So... Yeah, Zercher squat as well, um, box squat, bro, like tempo squats, wall squats, like you can keep going, right? Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I think the squat would probably be a little bit of my favorite just because to me it kind of challenges a little bit more of um, a couple more joints, yeah, you man. know, and keep them healthy and stuff, dude. What about you? I agree, man. I, I feel like the squat, as basic as it is, I mean, you could even go just with doing an air squat as your base, you know what I mean? So that's like your first in the progressions, you know? Um, but I feel like you could use the squat not only as a strength building tool, okay, and muscle building tool, but I feel like you could really use that movement as basic as it is as an assessment too. And you kind of touch space on those things, you know what I mean? You could assess echo mobility, you can see what's going on with the foot as people squat, you know what I mean? Definitely. Does the arch collapse inwards, does the ankle collapse inwards, is there something going on with the adductors that are not right, you know? Um, Hip shifts and all that. It, exactly, dude. so I think it's a great tool not only to build strength and endurance and muscle and stuff like that, but it's a great tool to assess 
certain movements and stuff like that, you know, and I've actually used it as an assess as an assessment too. Um, I think in the in the in the field that we're in and the people that we work with and stuff like that, uh, I think we use like the air squat or having them back squat with a PVC pipe on in the back, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to throw those in in the warm-up itself because it gives me a sense of like, okay, let me go ahead and identify those that need help right off the bat as to those that are already move, moving well just with those uh, simple tools as a PVC pipe or whatever yeah, it yeah. may be, you know no, what I mean? So, sure, sure. But if I could choose, man, between the two, so I, I would say the squat. Okay, and because there's so many variations that you could use, you know, I mean, yeah. you could use a kettlebell, you could use a dumbbell, you could use a sandbag, you could use your body weight, med you ball, med ball. Uh -huh. you know, I mean, you can use whatever you want, man, and there's so many different tools that you can use, you know what I mean, but there's also a lot of variations just with the body weight version itself that you can use as well, too, you know, uh, but I think as far as, like, king to me, I would say the squat, man, you know what I mean, and I feel like it has a lot more carry over into a lot of the everyday things that we do you know what i mean um for sure the deadlift is definitely a close a second for me though um just because i think it's one of the movements that people tend to struggle with a little bit more with me personally i feel that the hinge like a true hinge is one of the hardest movements that i tend to teach you know what i mean and as far as having people grasp how it feels and how it's supposed to look you know what i mean People kind of get confused with a squat and a hinge at times, and there's a very fine line between the two, you know? Oh, for sure, for sure. And like you said, like you can use the squat and the hinge to assess as well, because mm -hmm. when you do the squat, you had mentioned, like, what are the feet doing? What are the knees doing? Like, are they able to keep a, a nice tall chest? Are they caving forward, right? Um, and the hip hinge, too. Like, are you pushing your hips back? Or are you bending from your back, yeah. right? And I think a lot of the the injuries that I kind of see in clinic and even sometimes in the gym are um, the lack of, of proper hip hinge, bro. Yeah. And it comes from a back bend. And it's like, oh, the deadlift hurt me. But was it really the deadlift, bro? Yeah. Or was it your mechanics, bro? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, well, maybe there's some things that we can do, some regressions, um, pick the put some plates on the floor to pick the floor up to you so you can get in proper position. So, so many things. And right. I think that's what I kind of wanted to touch up on next, kind of going into it, is like um, when you see someone with like rounding their back or maybe they're having a little bit of trouble getting into a proper position for the deadlift, like what is your go-to kind of maybe like correction for that? Like let's just say an example, the guy is having trouble uh, reaching the barbell and his back is super rounded. Yeah. What would some? What would be like a, a little trick that you would utilize to make me make that movement more efficient, bro? Yeah, man. Of course. So there's, I mean, there's tons of them that pop into my head right off the bat. You know, I think some of the most common ones that we're gonna find or or that we utilize here, um, it's obviously gonna be some some type of or form of immobility in the ankles, the hips, and stuff. You know what I mean? Maybe something going on in the thoracic region of the spine that doesn't allow them to actually get into that position that they're needing to get into right off the bat, you know. So before we even get into the exercise that I would use to kind of prescribe to them to fix them up or to make it easier for them, I would say that I would just start from a top-down approach with them, you know what I mean? Like have them set their, their I mean, their shoulders back, retract to press shoulder blades first, you know what I mean? And then from there, see if they can maintain that spinal alignment 
as they get into the hinge. And if they can't, well then, okay, fine, we'll backtrack at that point, you know. But I feel like, I mean, not spending too much time on having to do other things and getting them into the workout itself. There's a lot of things that you can do, and you mentioned is this elevating the floor to them, you know what I mean? Makes it easier for them to reach down, and it might make it even easier for them to get into that proper back position they're trying to get into. So some things you could do if you want to go from the midline center of gravity of the body, which I think is probably the easiest pull that they could do, mm -hmm. put a plate between their feet, put a kettlebell on top, and have them get into the hinge position from there. Ooh, or if you want to use a barbell, now it's more relatable to what you're doing in class, okay? You could set up the barbell, but you could elevate it on plates or blocks or whatever it may be. One of my favorite things to use, and it needs to be a specific trap bar that you use, but I like the trap bar because it sets that line or where you're going to pull from across the midline of the body or the center of gravity where it's easier to pull from. So you're at a very advantageous point. So I feel a trap bar with elevated handles is the one that you want to use. Nice. You want to make it a little bit easier? Elevate that as well too. You go you know? from there. Yeah. yeah, it's just a good, it's just more about learning how to coordinate the body to get into that position repetitively. Right. Absolutely. It's kind yeah. of like learning the the motor pattern, um, so that way you can set your hips in the proper position. That's why we're so big on the warm ups and like the inchworms, mm -hmm. and that's why I'm always like bend your knees, make sure you push your hips back in the hip hinge. Right. Like I'm real big on that because it's setting the pattern already. Right. Absolutely. Right. And if you can get the easiest uh, movement patterns down, like picking up a pencil with a hip hinge, picking up your shoes with a hip hinge, like little things like that, that'll transfer over into picking up a heavy barbell with Absolutely. proper mechanics, bro. It kind of starts with the easiest things, right? Yeah. Um, so th those are really good ones, man. So I kind of want to geek out on um, a little bit of the squat now. So when, when you see people with a very forward flexed chest in mm. the squat where like it almost looks like a hinge, do you automatically think hip flexor strength or do you think ankles? I, I would say a little bit of both, man. Um, I would say with the, with at least the population that I've worked with, you know what I mean? And I feel like those two go hand in hand, okay? Reason being, a lot of the people that, that, that work throughout the day and stuff like that, they're sitting at the desk. Hip flexors are off. Uh, for females, you know, I mean, they're wearing heels. It, it's a false sense of a heel lift that you get with that. So if you're wearing heels eight hours a day, you walk around in those, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe use them for other reasons or whatever it may be, you know what I mean? That Achilles tends to shorten yeah. over time. Yeah, the calf muscles become weak and stuff, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they're not having to be used the way it is. The foot doesn't get trained the way it needs to. The arch of the foot, you know, becomes weak. Mm -hmm. And just depending on how tight the shoe is, it kind of contorts your foot into this weird way, you know? But I would say for sure, man, that those two go hand in hand. The first thing for me would be probably hip flexor strength at that point, though, starting from the top down, you know? Nice. Um, and then if we're looking at the ankles and stuff like that, of course, you know, I mean, it just depends on mobility at that point, but it also might be that they don't have enough stability within the ankle joint itself because those two go hand in hand and you need both, you know what I mean, to maintain control in the squat. Oh, yeah. Uh, one, one of the interesting things to me that I do, man, is I'll stand behind people in the gym and what I'll see first is I want to see what's going on with the ankles as they squat. Is there any shifting going on? Does one collapse inward as they squat? Do the toes rotate out? Because I'll see that in two. You know I mean? You'll see yeah. the extreme of people will get their feet Straight. set up in whatever base they think they're in and as they squat, you'll see those feet just, just naturally turn out. Turn out yeah. You know what I mean? Tight and as hard as they, yeah, man, it's, I'm, I mean, as hard as you try to get them to keep those toes straight or as straight as you can, you know what I mean? Those feet just have this like external rotation going on. You know, there's a lot of torque going on within that yeah. joint. So 
I would say, man, this hip flexor strength is absolutely key. And I think it's, and I actually saw you doing this this past week. There was an isometric hold you did at 90 degree bend in the hip and the knee joint where they were in a bridge, let's just say on the left leg, but they were waking up that hip flexor on that side. And it helps you because sure. people need to wake those things up, especially if you've been working at the desk all day yeah. where those hip flexors are off, you know what I mean? Tighten up, dude. And you have to, man. And they you start to get weak, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then the hip flexors attaches directly to the lumbar spine. You know what yeah, I mean? So you when you are in that sedentary lifestyle, that's your job, or it's just something that you have to do, virtual world, like all that stuff that went on, and you were kind of, you had no other choice, right? Yeah. Maybe you're starting to experience back pain and stuff, and when you squat, maybe the back pain is starting to get a little aggravated, yeah. especially like on thrusters, front squats, things that are very taxing, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, what do I, what do, I do? What? So the hip flexor is the one thing to look at. And if y'all don't know what the hip flexor is or what we're talking about, it, it's basically the muscle that, that helps um, pretty much pick your leg up, yeah. right? So um, anytime you're walking, running, you're sitting, um, this muscle is kind of always being used. It, it attaches the body like a Lego. You know, it's one of the biggest muscles, if not the biggest muscle in the body. So it has an effect on everything. So what Coach Rod is saying here is like, look, you're having trouble with getting depth in your squat you need to strengthen those hip flexors. Yeah. Another way to start bringing in a very mobile, athletic kind of squat pattern is get about four to eight inches away from the wall, right? Mark that team. The wall squats. And yeah. do wall squats, but not the other way. Face the wall with your arms overhead and try to pull yourself down as far as you can and you will find out that there may be some compensations yeah. happening in that body. The wall will let you know right away. It checks you, man. Quick. Checks you, okay? Squats, and we'll probably do a little video of that on Instagram later so you can kind of see what that is, but it will check you, man. And let me tell you this, Coach. I used to have a horrible last squat, bro. No one taught me how to squat, bro. I was self-learned. I just kind of saw people, thought I was athletic. Oh, I can, I can squat. I can do this, I can do that. Check myself in the mirror one day. No, man. Oh, dude. Shit. Dude. Freaking butt wink, bro. Yeah. Chest caving forward, bro. Like, no. Mm -hmm. So I got kind of like angry, man. Like, what? Like, what's going on? Like, I thought I was squatting fine. And, and it no like one shit. ever corrected you. No one ever told me, bro. Yeah. So I took it upon myself to start like doing my thing. And wall squats helped, bro. Big they time. were the medicine. They're the medicine for the squat. And they may not work for everybody, but they work for me. And I yeah. can say maybe for about maybe 80% of people out there, it'll probably show you some stuff. Absolutely, you know I mean? So I just wanted to squat's great, that. man. And that's a great, I mean, it's an awesome tool. And uh, guys, if you all follow Coach Max, he has, I think you got some videos of you doing wall squats or you shared on your story I before. Do. You, but it, yeah. it like, like it's good to see that stuff, man. And we'll throw a video out for these guys, you know, for yeah, the team because I because I feel like everyone needs to assess their squat and not in front of a mirror sometimes, dude. Because you're gonna kind of auto correct and auto regulate things as you go. But if you put yourself against the wall, feels like you said the wall is gonna check you quick. You know, what I mean, fast, bro. I'll tell you what, dude. When I get against against the wall, um, and I'm gonna say that I'm fairly mobile. Like I'm, I'm pretty good when it comes to the squat hinging and stuff like that and it made me realize that as I squat and put my arms overhead against the wall I could go toes up against the wall now and stuff like that you know but there's something going on within the thoracic region for me you know what I mean Your so touches exactly the <laughs> I go through but that's a good way for me to think okay you know what I mean my t-spine is tied up there's something going on within that region there 
and it it just backtracks me like hey, I've been having these little issues like like in back of the scab or whatever it is you know what I mean so that kind of like, like it takes you back and it makes you realize maybe other dysfunctions that you have that are going on that are relatable to that you know oh, for sure but that's how the back squat or any form of squat could kind of like expose those things you know what I mean exactly that's exactly awesome, and I'll tell you what team I used to have three different positions for my squat I used to squat a certain way for my front squat I used to squat a certain way for my back squat mm -hmm. and then I would change it up for the overhead right yeah, it would yeah. get like wide wide wider yeah. right and now from performing wall squat for a couple years now man you know uh, practicing it and working on my ankles and stuff like I finally have the same squat stance for all three bro yeah, man, and that was one of my goals like I don't want to be changing up my feet all the time wearing different shoes doing this doing that like, if I'm in a comp, dude, I'm ready to go, bro. I can snatch, clean, and drink in my nanos. You right know what I mean? Then, yeah. And I don't have to be changing out. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, but it took work for me to get there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it didn't just happen from, like, one day to the next. Like, oh, I'm just going to start doing this. But it, I went through a little injury. Went through that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had to, like, learn about my body. So if you're on that road team of wanting to just get your squat pattern better, I really recommend the wall squat and, and asking us some questions if you have any, any further questions. Yeah, that's a great tool, man. You know what, dude, to follow up on that, so I, uh, so one thing I want to mention real quick, all the weight li lifting shoes are a great tool, you know, I mean, especially if you're limited as far as mobility goes, I feel like it really helps people get into a a nicer squat, maybe a deeper squat as well too, yeah, but team, do not rely on only ever squatting when you only have that shoe that has a raised heel on it, you know what I mean, you should be able to squat bare, bare, barefooted, you should be able to squat cold, you should be able to squat your back squat, your front squat, the stance needs to be roughly the same. Mechanically, it might change a bit because of the load, the weight distributes along the line of the body and stuff like that, but, and I'm, and I'm speaking from experience with myself, dude, is, um, if I didn't have my all these shoes a couple years back, I wouldn't squat. I had to have my <laughs> shoes. You know? I think and, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, man. And what that did is it kind of created like this false sense of like security. I had to rely on my shoes to squat. And if I didn't have my all these shoes, I could not squat. And it's bullshit, dude. You know what I mean? Because I wear Vans all day, and that's the only shoe I ever wear now, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? And I feel like I finally got into the point now, but. I like analyze my squat in every squat that I do, whether I'm doing a zercher squat, an air squat, even a jump squat, a back squat, a front squat, an overhead squat, the stance does not change. Does not Toes change. are down, midfoot, back position, all that stuff, the way I load the squats exactly the same, you know what I mean? So um, I'm going to ask you this real quick because this is one of the most common things and you don't hear it as much, but it's it, it still comes around once in a while. Mm -hmm. So is squatting bad for your knees? And is squatting below parallel or with your knees going to the front bad for your knees? In my opinion, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. If the mobility is there, your flexibility is there, you know, you're, you're, you're practicing movement, um, you're not like a sedentary individual who's had like meniscus tears and things like that. It means if, you, if, you're, if your gears and your, your, your hardware are good, Absolutely, bro. Go for it. You yeah. know what I mean? We should be squatting. We should be sitting uh, in a squat, bro. Yeah. Like, we should be like... Like, these chairs, bro, are, are, are really wrecking the hips. Yeah. And if you go to other countries, man, you travel, like... Um, people sit on the floor. Mm -hmm. Crisscross, bro. 
posture up, externally rotating the hips, like sitting on the sit bones, bro. People getting up off the floor, like working in squat position, bro. Yeah. Like they're that, hanging out. In yeah, hanging out yeah. in squat position, bro. Like that's what we should be doing. But we've just gotten a little spoiled with the chairs, we got the recliners, the nice sofas. And just as a human society, we've just evolved, man. We've evolved into comfort and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because it's awesome. But we have to be responsible yep. for our bodies and know if I don't think squatting is bad for your knees at all when you're mobile enough for it, man. But if you're tighter than tight mm -hmm. and you start trying to squat below, you might run into some issues due to the fact that your mobility and tissue maintenance is not on up to point yeah exactly. so i can definitely see you getting hurt there but no like if like you little Knox, rich me all the coaches out there everybody that comes to hk like we should be squatting below parallel no knee pain for sure I, you know what I, mean? I agree man <laughs> yeah it's just one of those things you know what i mean and it's a fallacy that you're gonna hear and it's all the time, uh, bro. yeah man and i don't know i mean it Whoever started it, you know, I mean, it's just one of those things that that is still within our field and you hear it once in a while and stuff, you know, but it's, uh, I feel like the lack of squatting correctly is what leads to dysfunction. Exactly. We, we, we have knee joints, we got ankle joints, uh, our hip and stuff like that. So we, we were meant to move in that way, you know, I mean, if you go back to our ancestry and stuff like that, just like you said, the way people in other countries sit down and the way they hang out. They're in squat positions, but improper, you know what Proper, I mean? Dude. Bodies upright, torsos nice and erect, you know what I mean? You see the ankles, they're nice and straight, things like that, you know what I mean? So, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, man, it's awesome, you know what I mean? And I feel like, so the squat needs to be, I feel like it needs to be, if not the most important foundational movement that you have in any program that you do, you know what I mean? You have to squat, and if there is some dysfunction going on, whatever it is, you know what I mean? I at least me, Max, I truly believe, and I think you're kind of on the same page, man. A lot of the times when we get people that are new to the gym, you know what I mean? And they, uh, I mean, they, they might have never been required to squat correctly in their life, dude, yeah, ever. Yeah. And they might be in their 40s already, you know what I mean? So is there a lot of dysfunction going on? Yes, okay? But one of the things that I like to acknowledge as well, too, is this. So is it a movement? pattern that's not ingrained so there's a disconnection between the central nervous system and their own biomechanical adherence to it or is it actually a flexibility issue and I don't think it's a flexibility issue sometimes our tissue yeah. side up is the fascia in a weird state yes yeah. but they just haven't ingrained that movement pattern yet yes and if, if there's a cool test bro that and you can try and if, and if you feel like let's say you're not hitting the right depth in your squat and you're like oh it's my flexibility okay grab a hold of the rig go all the way down in a squat and hold on to the rig go all the way if you can do that then it's not a flexibility issue it's a cns issue it's that you haven't been down there your muscles don't know what's going on past a certain point so your body, your brain is not going to let you go there because it feels threatened. It's foreign, team. It's weird. It sounds crazy, but our bodies are so um, so amazing that that's how they're protecting you right now. Okay? So how do you get there? Wall squats. Wall squats, man. <laughs> we'll throw a video out there for them, man, because they're probably thinking, I mean, I'm sure... Uh, someone's probably trying it out right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's hard, man. It's tough. Oh, man, and, it is. And, 
And the goal with the wall squat, Max, is to eventually do it with your toes up against the wall. Yeah. Uh, toes so. up against the wall, arms straight overhead or slightly wide in a wide position. Maybe the nose just a couple of millimeters, dude, centimeters away from it, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see if we can get one out. I'm kind of curious what my cold flexibility is like right now. So yeah, we'll check it out. Give it a shot, dude. Um, but going on into the loaded carries now, bro, yeah. and how they're very heavily incorporated here at HK for a reason, right? Because carrying is something that we do in life. We carry groceries, we carry kids, we carry items, we carry boxes when we're moving, and we're just carrying things. But there's a way to carry things correctly that is safe for the spine, safe for the body, right? So we have front rack carries, we have overhead carries here, we got farmer's carry. Sometimes we even do a suitcase carry, bro. Um, what are your um, kind of thoughts behind this carrying stuff, bro? Yeah, man, so it's, you're carrying something in your everyday life at one point or another, you know what I mean? Whether it's gonna be having to pick up your kids Maybe carrying twins. twins. You know, you got two of them. Triplets. Find. Yeah. <laughs> you got that going on. Maybe your occupation, your job requires you to carry stuff. Your drive for FedEx, whatever it may yeah. be, you know. So it it is, I feel like it's one of the greatest conditioning tools too, Max. And I'll tell you why. And I think a lot of people, they think, oh, well, I'm just carrying stuff. So I'm just going to walk with something in my hands and make it heavy to the point where like, a shoulder starts around and stuff like that. Uh, okay, when you're paying more attention to your posture, when you're loaded, and if you're doing things that you're not used to having to maintain under load, there is an adaptate there's an adaptation that goes on. Your the body senses stress, you know? So but what I like about the carries a lot though, so let's say we're doing let's just say we're doing bilateral farmer carries, kettlebells out to the sides, you got two seventies in each hand, okay? Mm -hmm. And this is something that I learned from the great Dan John, uh, old school strength coach, track and field star. Um, and he's huge on doing any type of loaded care. And we'll get into more as far as the variations and stuff like that. But he really threw this nice, like, just painted a nice picture for us at this one conference we went to. And he talks about how when you're carrying stuff out to the sides, bilateral farmer carry, right? Some heavy loads, you're keeping everything in check, okay? Normally, when we're just walking around, okay? Our lungs expand the way they're supposed to, okay? Our rate doesn't, it's not really affected at that point, so there's no cardiac response or anything like that. Now, when you're carrying load out to the side, okay, your rib cage is partially restricted because your arms aren't able to move the way they need to. So as you walk with weights, you're walking with weights, you're not running, okay? There is a cardiac response because your lungs are not able to expand across your rib cage. So your body will naturally increase heart rate based off of that response there. Stroke volume goes up, everything goes up. Huge, man, so. That's why you're so tired when you put them down. Yeah, dude, <laughs> it's huge, man. And next time you farmer carry guys in class, think about your heart rate. I want you to feel it as you walk with KBs, whatever we use in the class, and see how the heart rate response is. And it's elevated, dude, you know Seriously, I mean? It's pretty cool, man, man. you know what yeah. I mean? But I feel like, I mean, as far as, I mean, there's tons of carries that you could do, dude. You know I mean? there's. A sandbag walks you could do in the front. There's bear hook walks. There's farmer carries you could do unilateral, bilateral, front rack, single front rack, waiter walks. I mean, there's just a ton of stuff that you could do, you know what I mean? But I feel like it's a very safe way to load. 
spine body the spine as well too you know what i mean but i think it's a great way to really condition the body with load as well too without having to put a lot of impact and stuff you know so yeah, yeah for sure and i think you were right about the whole setup bro like like you gotta carry things properly in the gym so that way you can get the adaptation right but also so that adaptation can carry over into the environment right yeah. What if one day, I don't know, you're helping grandma getting something off the, the shelf there and you're, you're up there for like a minute, man, trying to juggle that thing and dude, that's, that's an overhead kind of carry, you know, yeah. you know, are you going to have strength to when you get that thing off the shelf, like to bring it back down or to walk that somewhere else, right? So it's kind of cool. Like I like the whole shoulders back, uh, rib cage down, bro, tightening up the core, and trying to walk a straight line. Because yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, like, sometimes when you're real tired and you're walking those bells, like, you're going crooked, yeah. though. And zigzag. that, that's zigzag, dude. And that there is a sign of instability in your carry. Lack of control. A lack of control in your carry. So you should be walking a straight line team as best as you can. Yeah, there's going to be some little bobbin weaves out there, but as long as you're not zigzagging, yeah. you know, Tron style, right? Yeah. Um, I think you'll be, you'll be fine. Um, I would like to say, though, that the farmer's carry probably has the biggest carryover to the groceries, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> right? You got one trip, dude. The one trip. Going to AGB, yeah. you know what I mean? So you get practice all the time in your carrying team. It's just these movements that we do in the gym are, are functional enough to be able to transfer over into your environment, man. So that's why we kind of say it's a functional training, right? Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool stuff. And um, what do you think about, like, utilizing the carries, like, overhead? Yeah. Um, what do you think about the advantage of overhead carries are, um, kind of going into maybe like the push press and like the, the strict press? Like, do you think that isometric hold has carryover? Tons, man. And I think that needs to be the, like if, like at a programmatic standpoint, you know what I mean? Like if we could really take a step back now and if I could backtrack 10 years at this point, I would make everyone go through this like <laughs> adaptation of having them do isometrics first, overhead, holding a plate, holding a bar, show them what it is to have control in the overhead position. Because one of the things that you'll see, especially with people that are new, they might be very strong, but their stability overhead, that barbell's moving all over the place too. You know what I mean? So I will say this though too. So I'm only going to have people do overhead that carries if I, if I feel it's safe. You know, I mean, some people are still not able to fully get into that nice overhead position, you know what I mean? Uh, keeping the rib cage down, keeping the glutes tucked in, you know what I mean? Sometimes you'll see that rib cage flare back flare because back. they're trying to accommodate, yeah. you know, for lack of mobility, whatever it may be, you know? So if it's safe for them to do it, if they have the range for it, then absolutely. But I feel like it has, I feel like that needs to be the foundation before you start to press. Uh, one of my favorite pressing the variations that I use, Max, and I use it for my personal warm-ups when I'm about to go overhead, is I'll front rack a single kettlebell, and I'll put my opposite hand across my rib cage. That way, as I press that bell in a controlled fashion, okay, I know what's going on with my rib cage. I don't want to extend. I don't want it to flare. So I'll keep my free hand checked down there, and I'll see how my overhead mobility feels. Stability as well, too. I'll check, check it. Bop. I mean, the bottom's up press. I mean, you can't beat that as far as oh, having to engage and fire certain muscle groups and stuff like that, but work on that 
that's stability, you know what I mean? It's probably one of the hardest pressing variations you could use, you know? So, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's huge, you know what I mean? I feel like if we could really backtrack and work with people more one-on-one, -on -one, I would say I would like to see them have more static strength, isometric control and strength overhead before I even have them start pressing a barbell overhead. Power. Yeah, um, uh, that's a good one, yeah. Dude, I want to go back to the carries real quick because a lot of our population here in the gym, we have a lot of 40-plus year olds. We have a lot of 50-plus year olds. Dude, we have, rocket, dude. dude, we have some 60-year-olds here, dude. Rocket, Grandmas dude. and grandpas. And they are definitely your one percenters in our community here, dude. And they're ahead of the game. And one of the main reasons why they need to be carrying stuff is because one of the first things you lose as you start to advance in age is grip strength. I mean, you see it all the time. You see it in the geriatric populations where uh, they Twisting need help jars, yeah. having to open up a jar, dude. Having to open up a water bottle and stuff like that. They can't maintain grip control and grip strength. So... Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to completely stop that decline as we age, but if we could take a detour for a bit and stop that decline from going down so steep, then that's a win for us here, you know? Oh, for sure. And it, there's research been proven, man, that um, muscles still adapting at 90 years of age, bro. You know, sarcomeres and everything still growing, like, things are happening, you know? So the body's always adapting, and you, you yes, you... We're all going through life's journey, and there will be a little bit of a decline in strength, but we can always maintain uh, a really good amount of strength as well. So I think that's really good, man. And, and going back to just control of spine and learning where your rib cage and how to close it on command and is a, a way to practice that is, is why we do cat camels so much here. That's why we, we utilize that exercise to get you familiar with your spinal column, right? So that you know how to fix your spine in certain positions. So if your back is rounding and coach says chest up, you know exactly how to do that, right? So cat camel is not only a, a, a mobility exercise, but it's also a, a neuromuscular control kind of training exercise that can really be advantageous to everything in weightlifting. Absolutely. Because whether you're carrying, whether you're squatting, whether you're deadlifting, Spine's always involved. Always, man. You know what I'm saying? So the, the more control you have of your spine, the better your back's going to feel, the better you're able going to position that rib cage, and uh, the more successful I think you'll be um, in, in, your, in your workout journey, man. Yeah, man. For I sure, dude. I, dude, it's, it, it, it's a lifelong pursuit, man. Like we've said, you know what I mean? Just like you said, with your squat, you know, with my squat as well, too. And I'm sure you could do the same if I have 500 pounds on a back squat, I'm analyzing mm -hmm. as I'm going into that eccentric portion of the squat, hitting my depth, what's going on with my feet, what yeah, am I doing with my big dude. toes, what's happening in the arch of my foot, how's my spine look. I could feel those things yeah, as I go, do you yeah. know what I mean? And I feel like people just need to become, I mean, we could coach all we want, you know what I mean? And we're going to give them what they need in their, and we're going to give them the tools that they need in order to develop that great squat, you know? But people also have to figure themselves out at times, you know they what I mean? Do, and it's, I mean, it's practice that you and me have done, that every coach here has done, you know what I mean? And we've kind of ventured out and, and I mean, I've looked at my squat in front of the mirror when I'm alone at the house and yeah, I'm like, dude. man, that feels a little weird, dude. Like, what's going on? Or like, this looks weird, you know? And I'll work on those things, you know? Yeah. But it's uh, like, you you really have to put in the work on the outside as well to you guys, you know? And, and one of the things that I'm gonna say is that, um, it, it's an ever-evolving field, guys, okay? And you're going to hear that this squat's better than this squat, and this squat is better than this one and stuff. But 
essentially the the bare bones of it all is that you need to squat. And if everything's functioning fine, and even if things are not, guys, let's just say there's a knee issue going on, or whatever it may be, you know, I mean, there's always a variation that you could hit to still have those muscle groups adapt and still advance in whatever you're trying to do. You know, what I mean, so I mean, if someone has some limited range of motion, degrees of flexion or extension of the knee joint itself, you know, I mean, you could isolate those things or you could do a hinge instead. You know, what I mean, uh, so there's ways around it. You know. Always, always, man. There's ways to train it, ways to adapt, and let's just say you have some gears, some, you know, something that ain't working right in the knee. There's always something that we can do to, to work around it, man, modify it, you know. So, um, that was a really good talk. Yeah, That man. was awesome, man. I got one more thing I want to say real quick, guys, and I'm going to, dude, there's so many things that we could touch on. Okay, so many things but, um, and Max had kind of briefly touched up on this earlier, too, guys. So, uh, the, there's this other big uh, thing that's been said in gyms before where it's like, oh, if I lift weights, I'm going to get too big with females and stuff like that, you know? And, and I feel like we've, we've gotten past that point here, you know what I mean? And I feel like it's kind of like this like old school mentality thing where girls think, oh, I'm going to lift some weights and I'm going to get too big, which I don't think we have an issue with here, you know, like at all. No. But one of the main reasons why females need to be doing some strenuous weight weight weightlifting kind of relative to what they can do okay especially back squatting where the bars on your back or whether it's in a front rack or whatever it is is because you need to load the spinal column and your bone structure in some form or way to maintain bone de density and bone strength uh, and it's one of those things just like I was talking about earlier on with grip strength and stuff too you know I mean it's one of those things that we decline in no matter what in life you know but if we could slow that down and females are a little bit more prone to it just because they give birth, uh, just because of lack of nutrients and stuff like that. But if they strength train, they could even increase it or maintain it at least for longer periods of time, you know? Oh, so, for sure, yeah. for sure. Adapting, man, to the demands placed upon it. Mm -hmm. Super cool. And that's why they've also showed um, the bone structure in, like, marathon runners and people of that type of sporting they have really strong bones on their lower lower half of the body yeah. so just to add a quick side tip to that man bone will adapt to the stresses placed upon it specifically so if you're back squatting that's a whole body movement there but it's mainly loading like the hips the knees the femurs you know the tibialis all that so those are going to gain some stuff so that's why overhead pressing is good for females too because it's loading all the the other bones, the clavicle, the humerus, all that stuff, man. That was a really good point, coach. Yeah, so ladies, lift weights. Got to. Lift weights all the time, ah, but safely. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Back squat, carry stuff, heavy stuff, properly, of course, though. Properly, yeah. man. Quick side tip, though, team. We have the HK Familia Throwdown. July the 3rd, guys, it's coming up. We're about a week and a half out at this point. Registration will close the 27th, which is this Sunday. So if you haven't registered yet, you're still thinking about it, look for someone. Guys, if you need help finding a partner or whatever it may be, reach out to us. I will be releasing the the third wad later this afternoon, so look out for that. And then your fourth and final wad for the event will be a surprise. Ooh. So you won't find that until the athletes' meeting, which will be Friday night before the comp, July the 2nd. So coming up, man. I'm pumped up for you. I know the coaches are psyched up for it super man everyone's fired up so it's gonna be awesome man that's cool good. team that's cool so you heard coach if you haven't signed up already get a partner if you're interested and don't have one we'll see if we can hook you up with someone there 
But uh, some good talks today, man. I hope you all learned some things. And we'll check the Instagram because we're going to go and do some wall squats right now for you all. All righty? Good talking to you, team. Take care, guys. Bye. Laters.